This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to the wine situation, the solo season, episode 4.2. I'm Ellen Clifford. I am your... Oh, I was about to call myself the uh, nickname my former co-host would call me, which was Mademoiselle La Palette. Uh, but I have been choosing to embrace a more fluid name and calling myself The Palette now. So that's who I am. I am The Palette. I can tell you all about wine. I can tell you all about situations. I can tell you that this podcast is about situations surrounding wine and right now the situation surrounding wine is we are all home alone drinking it or we're home with the people that we live with drinking it but we're all at home um don't worry i've got more we're gonna taste some wine together so i hope you have poured yourself something great now is not the time to be drinking whatever guys at the end of the day after all this shelter at home shit you need to open the good stuff uh, if, you, if you can. Uh, if you can't, um, even the, the wine I'm going to tell you about today that we're drinking, both it and the one that you'll be guessing uh, with the who, what, when, where, why wine uh, clues, they're both reasonably priced wines. They're both uh, under $20 wines. So uh, yeah, you don't have to bust your budget to drink the good stuff. Um, Yes, okay, I was going to tell you what else we're doing in this. We're going to do a who, what, when, where, why wine. We're going to taste what I've got in my glass that I can't wait to try, but I'm waiting to, like, fake cheers with you guys. Uh, We're going to have a wine story. And, of course, of course, we got to have that sweet, sweet uh, drunk dial at the end where I ask my uh, friend who I'm planning to call, Carrie, uh, some questions. Okay, uh, before we go on, I want to remind you of the poll I put out there last week, which is like, if you're buying a bunch of wine to stock up, and guys, don't be hoarders. For Christ's fuck's sake, can we stop hoarding shit? But um, also just keep buying wine, okay? Uh, I wanted to know what you are stocking up on uh, in these times, which we're all trapped in our house. So I will have that up on Instagram. I'm leaving it up one more week, uh, and we'll see what you guys have to say about it next week. Um, Yes, the poll. Answer it. Also, answer your census, I I think, is something else I'm hearing people say we should do. I did the other day. It didn't take long. Here's one more thing. Uh, Beyond content and uh, segments, like I said last week, We're going to have tangents. Oh, yeah. I go down some tangents. If you hate them, I'm sorry. I try and keep them short. But here I go down a tangent, thinking about all this shelter at home, safer at home, is who names these things? I'm very confused by the shelter in place. Where the fuck else am I supposed to shelter? I'm going to shelter in a place, yes. You think they would want to be more accurate. At least in LA, we were more accurate and we were like safer at home. We were specific. You never know what people might call a place. <sighs> Tangent done. Are you guys ready to play who, what, where, when, why, wine? Okay. Clue number one is a who who makes this wine. 
It's a, a winemaker called Amez Toy. I'm probably saying it wrong. It's spelled A M E Z T O I. This is one of my favorite makers of this week's wine. It's also the wine that was introduced to me by my friend Roxy. She's your second who, because she called it the uh, the Amez Toy. Amez Toy, however you say it. Uh, Roxy calls it the Sweet Baby Jesus wine, because. You taste it and you're just like, oh, sweet baby Jesus. And I don't even believe in Jesus, but this wine will have you saying it. And it'll have you believing in something good in the universe. That was your clue number one. Uh, why don't I cheers you now so I can tell you about this amazing, beautiful wine I have in my glass. Cheers. I don't know if you heard that. Oh, God. Mm. Yum. Yum. Well, that's fun. Okay, I am drinking the 2018 Jules Taylor On the Quiet, OTQ, Marlboro Pinot Noir Rosé. It is fabulous stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I, well, it's in the name of the wine. It's a Pinot Noir. It is a deep, more deeply colored one. The On the Quiet series of Pinots from Jules Taylor, they're single vineyard wines, so this one is from the Bronken Hill Vineyard, and that is in Hawkesbury, Marlborough, which is in the northern part of the Southern Island in New Zealand. Uh, let's look at the text sheet and just see what they tell us about this. There's a whole big thing about vintage. Let's see. Heading into spring temperatures around Marlborough, were a few degrees higher than normal. Moisture content in the soils was low, which led to an even bud burst in the vines. Continued below average rainfall from September to December, leading to into flowering. Combined with rising temperatures, yada yada yada, created ideal conditions for flowering. I feel like nearly every time I read the winemaker's vintage report, they all sound wildly different, and they all lead up to leading into... Uh, ideal conditions. Um, oh, but wait, there's more. That's, uh, post-flowering, the warmer temperatures continued, but dry conditions gave way to frequent rainfall. Oh no, she's actually telling us the, the scary things. Rainfall, while grapes need water, the rainfall can sometimes damage them once they're set. So these elevated temperatures meant verizon, that's the changing of color in the grapes, was earlier than usual in Marlborough. Uh, yada, yada, yada. They picked them earlier than normal. Let's see. So, yeah. That's the, uh, that's the vintage report on 2018 in Marlborough. Now you know. Now you know. Guys, I'm really bad at, at, uh, memorizing vintage facts. Like, I can name some of the more extraordinary vintages in classic regions, but then, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't have a head for dates is is what I don't have. Um, but I will never forget that 2018 was the Pinot Noir that I drank with you guys on the second episode of the wine situation that I recorded all by myself. Ah. Okay. So Jules Taylor is the woman who's behind this winery, and I think she sounds like a badass because she goes out and, like, hand harvest by herself. Well, actually, she probably has people help her, but she, she, she gets there in the vineyard. They were hand-selected by Jules, these grapes were, that were made into this wine. 
oh, look at it. <laughs> Not only were they hand-selected by jewels from the Bronken Hill Vineyard, they were carefully hand-harvested. So she selected them, but did she also, did she just put her hand on them and select them and then was like, go forth and harvest with your hands to the people working for her? I don't know. I also don't know why I give her that accent. She probably has a New Zealand accent. I'm not going to attempt to do what that is. All right. Jules took them to the winery where she gently pressed the grapes. I get this vision of this like blonde goddess who's sort of Rubenesque. I get this vision of her dressed in sort of a, a peasant top, just leaning into a vat with her hands, pressing the grapes gently. It's kind of sexy, I'm not going to lie. Oh, <laughs> it says, she gently pressed the grapes and the rest is history. Man, I love the people who write the, the Jules Taylor website. They, they got away with words. Uh, so that's the story on this Pinot Noir Rosé. Uh, Pinot Noir normally, when I think of New Zealand Pinot Noir, I think of Central Otago. That's sort of the region that's coming up and known for it. But they do have a way with it in Marlborough as well, apparently. Hmm. Okay. Incidentally, I am drinking this rosé out of a burgundy glass. I feel like I'm supposed to put it in like a narrower glass, and I did recently invest in a few different sizes and shapes of glasses. One for burgundy, one for Bordeaux, one for universal usage. Uh, and I still just drink most things out of either my Zweisel or my Zalto burgundy glass. But this is Pinot Noir, so I guess it makes sense because Pinot Noir is the grape in Burgundy, so I guess it makes sense that it would do well in a Burgundy glass, I suppose. I don't know. I don't even know why I'm reaching for logic in these times we're in. This podcast is supposed to help you get out of the funk, but sometimes I feel like finding someone to commiserate about what's putting you in a funk makes it better. Like, would it be better if I were just pretending that... Things weren't absolutely fucking bizarre and weird in the world right now. Would that be better? Or is it okay that I am I'm doing this? Because, I mean, I'm just trying to come at you from an honest place. Which Actually, oh, that's what my story is about. But, okay. <laughs> I had a whole agenda laid out here. Let me get back on track. Woo, tangents. I got them. I next, before I give you the tasting notes on this wine I'm drinking, I am going to give you your next clue. Remember, clue number one was a favorite maker of this wine, Amestoy, Amestoy. Uh, the second clue is your what. And your what is two grapes. It's Honderabi Belza and Honderabi Zuri. Some of you will immediately know what the wine I'm talking about is. I will just tell you that Honderabi uh, Belza is a red grape and Honderabi Zuri is a white grape. And oh, the wine I tasted that was a Sweet Baby Jesus wine was made from both those grapes. It was a rosé, but they... Uh, I'm giving you too many clues. Anyway, you got those grapes. <sighs> Want to play What's in the Glass? I do. I don't know if it still counts as a game when I'm by myself, but I'm playing with myself these days with everything. Take that to mean what you will. 
Okay, this is a deeper color of rose. It's definitely like, it, it's got a kind of candy, candy, uh, cotton candy kind of look to it. Like, yeah, definitely a richer, like if I looked at it, I'd wonder if it was a lighter bodied Tavelle. I hope that was not too in, inside baseball. Let's, let's smell this wine. Hmm. Flowers and white pepper. White pepper, actually, I discovered when I started studying wine, I was like, all these people keep talking about white pepper notes. I better go buy some white pepper and find out what that smells like. It smells quite floral in a way. It's interesting. Hmm. Also peaches. Also raspberries and strawberries and something a little almost, uh, almost lactic about it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to not look at what the tasting notes the winemaker has given me to see if I can come up with my own my own notes. We'll go back and compare after. Ah, oh, it smells heavenly. Let's put it in my mouth. Mmm. A relative ooh, high acid. Or medium plus acid at least. Medium alcohol. The body is silky thin, let me tell you, and the rest was history. Yes, oh god. Yeah, silky body. Pretty long finish too, it kind of sticks with you and unfolds a little bit. God, this wine is sexy. I did not expect, like, I've had Jules Taylor, actually one of our original episodes, that we had Melanie Linsky on. We had the On the Quiet Sauvignon Blanc on that episode because the thing that she was whining about, it was back in the day when we paired people's wines with wines. She wanted to uh, whine about how she's got, uh, uh, suddenly I'm blanking on what it's called, um, misophonia, which I have a little bit of, but she had a lot of, and so like people slurping wines just is, nails on chalkboard to her. Anyway, um, that's the first time I had an On the Quiet wine, and it was great. And I was expecting, I don't know, I was not somehow just, I was not ready for sexy wine tonight. I was just like, it's podcast time. We're going to have fun. We're going to go crazy. But I was like, wow, I'm a little turned on by this wine. I'm not going to lie. It's too bad I'm all by myself. I mean, it could be not too bad that I'm by myself, but guys, I miss my boyfriend. He's been sick all week, so I've been... Oh, that's another thing going on is, uh, yeah, my boyfriend's sick. We don't know if it's COVID-19, but I have been self-quarantined, not even going out for groceries for the, the last week, and will continue to do so until it's been two weeks since the last time I saw him, which hopefully by the time I record next week, then we'll all have come out of hiding and he'll feel better. Uh, although I think I'm still not supposed to see him. It really sucks to shelter in place, your home place, safely, by yourself. Ugh, I love living alone, but I never thought I would come to this. Okay, ooh, tangent. That was a long tangent. Let's get back to tasting. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Even more flowers, like roses. So many roses in my mouth. Uh, roses and cherries and and a, just a brightness like really bright bright fruit that's super ripe but it hasn't quite like some people like to eat a peach when it's just like oozing juice 
some like to eat a peach when it's really I, I like them on the underripe side this is the peach that is slightly before the people that want it oozing down their down their wrist uh eat it it's, it's that amount of ripeness which to me is oh almost perfect because it still just feels fresh but it's ripe but it's not not too sweet not too i mean this wine actually is quite dry it's not sweet at all mm. those are my biggest like tasting notes still a little mineral a little bit of cream this wine just has like a little a little check off every box of like fun things you could want in a rosé i'd say i'd guess the alcohol but i think i accidentally saw that it's 13 something which sounds about right let's see it's 13% alcohol by volume. There's 1.1 grams per liter of residual sugar. That's when, when they make the wine, when, the, when the, the yeast finishes eating all the sugar in the juice, that residual sugar is the sugar that's left that the, either they filtered the yeast out early enough to stop the fermentation or the yeast died because they were like, ah, we're done. We've had enough, we're full, we're going home. And by home, I mean died. Uh, that was morbid. I'm sorry. 3.53 uh, pH, if you're interested. Titratable acidity is 6.3 grams per liter. This wine was bottled on the 2nd of August, 2018. Do you remember what you were doing then? Hmm. I don't. But I'm sure I could look at my diary and find out. But I'm not going to do that now. So those are my tasting notes on this. I'm just overall... I love it when a wine surprises you a little bit. Oh, I also love that my last two weeks have been Pinot Noir-based wines from women winemakers. Last week we had the Jay Vineyards Canfield uh, Vineyard Pinot Noir from Sonoma, and that was fabulous, woman winemaker. And this is a rosé one from the Southern Hemisphere, so maybe I should just like the next... Should I make it a goal that my, my wines be made by like anyone but a straight white dude maybe should i make a goal that they all be pinot noir oh i'd get to drink so much burgundy there then and okay this is just an idea good lord you guys oh and here's the thing do you want to know how much i paid for this epically good glass of rosé 13 dollars and 81 cents that's right I got it from the Garage East. It's like a newsletter you can subscribe to, and they send you offers once or twice a day. Somehow you get to skip import fees, and this happens all year long, and they will only ship when like the weather is perfect to make sure your wine won't get uh won't get tarnished, not tarnished, cooked basically or frozen just to make sure it stays perfect and they'll only send it to you unless you specially request it they won't send it to you unless you've amassed 12 bottles so it's really fun because you get these amazing prices on amazing wine and then every fall and every spring you have a chance to have them shipped to you and you'll have forgotten what all you ordered in that time so yeah it's super fun to like received that box and my most recent one my spring shipment this was in it oh oh and also now let's take a look at um what the the website uh tasting notes are on this oh they say it has a soft salmon pink hue which i agree with yeah yeah salmon it's definitely just that richer pink they say it is packed with aromas of raspberry pomegranate and watermelon i mean i said strawberries and cherries but whatever it's red 
Oh, suggestions of apple blossom and nuances of cream. Oh, okay, they, they got the lactic, and I said white pepper and flowers, and they said apple blossom. I've never smelled an apple blossom. If someone could make that happen, that'd be cool. Um, what do they say about the palette? Exhibiting exuberant flavors of red summer fruits with juicy acidity. What does that even mean? Followed by subtle tones of quince and apple blossom. What the fuck up with these quince and apple blossom flavors? Is that sort of like like gooseberries, like true gooseberries? They, once I smelled them, I knew exactly what people are talking about when I smelled them. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of Sauvignon Blanc that I get some gooseberry on, but like, come on, who the fuck ever gets a gooseberry? Who has quinces and apple blossoms? I don't know. I think I've seen quinces in the stores and I kind of want to cook with them. And, oh, wait, I've had quince paste. Mm. I feel like I'm not that excited about quince paste. And I feel like this doesn't remind me of quince paste, but who's to say? Oh, okay, going on. They say, they say, whoever writes this, it flows effortlessly through the palate with a perfect balance of texture, acidity, and minerality. Minerality. I mentioned the minerality. Um, most compelling is the incredible length of this wine. Oh, gosh. Wow, I actually agree with all their tasting notes. Most, yeah, the most compelling is the incredible length of this wine, providing you with a silky yet refreshing dry finish. And we all like it when sexy times finish silky yet refreshingly dry. That's not right. Scratch that. Reverse it? I don't know. Um, God, this wine has me bamboozled. Okay, I'll stop waxing poetic about it. Mm. It's time for clue number three. Aren't you glad that I made myself like a little uh, schedule of how this is supposed to go? Otherwise I would get completely lost in the wine and you would just have to listen to 45 minutes of me being like, ooh, ah, ooh, oh my. Okay, to refresh you, clue number one, the who was Amez Toy, a maker of this. The what were grapes Hondurabi Belza and Hondurabi Zuri. And for clue number three, normally it would be when, but for this it's from whence, was it poured or is it poured in the place uh, the place where they make this wine it is traditionally poured from great heights they will stand on a chair and pour it down into a small tumbler on the floor in a practice they call breaking so here in california breaking would be like break dancing there it's pouring wine from a great height they do this to open it up aromatically and and in terms of like vivid flavors. I got that uh, the vivid flavors bit from reading the wine bubble, <laughs> the wine bible. Thank you, Karen McNeil, for your way with words. So I thought that was really interesting. And next time I buy one of these wines, I'm definitely going to stand on a chair and pour it from a great height into a glass. Maybe live on the pod, you can listen to me spill, because that is, I'm 90% sure I would miss that glass. I do not have that kind of uh, ability. <clears throat> so that's your wince clue. Okay. Mm. Wine story. All right. My glass is, like, nearly empty. This is no good. Um, okay, my wine story is about being honest. 
Okay, so a lot of times I think people are dishonest either because they don't want to hurt somebody or they feel like the truth is embarrassing or they think they'll be more impressive if they lie or they just don't want to be awkward. In my case, it was the latter. So there's a wine writer whose work I greatly admire named Patrick uh, Kamiski. And yeah, he's written for everybody. He wrote a really great book about the Rhone Rangers in California. That's all the people that made Rhone variety grapes uh, popular in California wine. And the first time I met him, I was at this wine dinner. It was kind of the first time I got to go to a a fancy wine dinner. And I, I think he introduced himself as Pat. And I didn't know that he was Patrick Comiskey, and so I was fine. The dinner was fine. I didn't talk to him that much. He was a few people away anyway. So next time I run into him, I think I was at the Raw Wine Fair, and at that time, like, because afterwards I asked the guy who had organized the dinner I was at who that was, and he was like, oh, no, that's the one who read the book that I loaned you to read. I was like, oh, my God, is that? Oh, oh, my God. Wow. Uh, I fangirled out when I found that out. So next time I saw him, I wanted to be like, hi. But, I mean, I would be like that for anyone who I met and liked and respected at a wine dinner. But then I also had, like, that added sort of, like, anxiety of, oh, my God, this guy is at least famous in my world. So I I just, like, was very awkward when I introduced myself. And that happened at least a couple of wine events. So, (laughs) fast forward to a couple weeks ago. The day before every wine event that was supposed to have been happening in the last month or so got canceled, I was invited to this really cool dinner about Willamette Valley wines in Oregon. Uh, more Pinot Noir. God, my life is just so full of Pinot, and I love it. Um, and I show up at the dinner. It, it was a small dinner, maybe small being I don't know, somewhere around 15 people all in a long table. It was in honor of the Willamette Valley Pinot Noir auction they hold every year, which is, of course, canceled now. Uh, But good God, I got to taste some amazing Pinot Noirs that night. Anyway, I arrived there. I'm dressed up. I'm excited because these are, it was held at Rosso Blue, which, God help us, I hope is still open after, after all this because their bread is off the wall and their cheese plate jesus christ and there were the vegetables and risotto oh it's so good anyway i had never been to that restaurant i was excited i was dressed up and the minute i see pat i'm like oh fuck and we're there at the same time so i'm just like oh hi and he's like oh hi because like i think one of the times i awkwardly said hi to him i was like i'm not sure if you remember me he's like i remember you ellen it's like you're better with names than me um so i show up at this dinner and soon enough like one other person I knew Vince who I'm gonna have on the pod is a final five drunk dial at some point um showed up but like I for a minute it was just like me being really awkward with Pat I think he goes by Pat maybe he prefers Patrick I'm not sure something to ask him next time I see him anyway but I then I sort of had a, like, a, we both saw other people we knew. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll just avoid him for the rest of this dinner. Now, this dinner was placed on a, like, everyone was sat around a very, very long table. <clears throat> and I realized, oh, they put 
name tags on the on the table and oh I should see what I was placed in between Vince the one other person I knew well <laughs> um I will have to check his last name because now I'm thinking Clifford Comiskey maybe we were put next to each other because we're alphabetical but I was seated next to Patrick Comiskey for the whole night and I was like oh shit okay Ellen you need to get a grip you need to not be awkward for like these dinners go on for hours it was i was there like four hours so um i in my head i started debating i'm like maybe maybe i should tell him i'm a freaking fangirl and then i'm like no he'll think you're sucking up no 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 and i'm like still was awkward and we still periodically like everyone's kind of turning to each other and making small talk but obviously the person you're seated next to is the person who you need to engage from time to time or they're going to engage you and I was still just being so awkward or couldn't think of what to say or just, it was bad. Um, so I, that didn't go on too long, thank God. I just suddenly had the real, I realized, okay, you just need to be honest with what the fuck is going on or else he's gonna think you're a freak. And so finally I was like, by the way, I hope I'm I'm probably being awkward, but I, uh, I just, I've read your work. I'm a big fan of you. So I probably get really awkward because I get nervous because I really respect you and what you do. And he seemed touched by that. He didn't seem like, oh, this girl thinks I'm sucking up. He was just like, oh, wow, thank you. Wow, cool. Um, and then I relaxed and then, I don't know if he felt any of this tension at all, but I did. Um, the rest of the night felt great. Like, and we chatted and I just was able to be honest and not, you know, when you're with someone who makes you nervous and you like overthink everything that comes out of your mouth and like, it's difficult. Ugh. Uh, the rest of the night, I felt like I was able to have totally normal person-adult conversations with him, and I will not be nervous the next time I see him. Uh, and so the moral of this story, this wine story, is be honest. Be honest with people. Uh, even if you think it's going to make you look like a fool, which I was worried of, or worried it's going to make you look like you're sucking up, or just uh, honesty is usually... I'm gonna say, I'm trying to think if there's a time that's good to lie. Hmm. I could probably make up some like crazy example, but that's my wine story about, it's like really good to be honest and it will free you up and it'll free the other person up. And maybe, I mean, yeah, anyway, that's my wine story, yay. It's time for another clue for who, what, when, where, why, wine. So recapping, who, MS Toy? Two, uh, what is your Hunderabi Belza grape and Hunderabi Zuri? From whence it is poured is a great height in order to break it. Your where is Basque country. That's in uh, the north of Spain on the Bay of Biscay with Atlantic influence. Basque country. I'm sure there are people that got it by now, but... Uh, before I go to your very last clue, if you can leave me a five-star rating and review me on iTunes, that'd be super cool. Uh, if you hate this, why don't you just uh, email me or Instagram message me personally and be like, your podcast sucks. Uh, I'd rather you do it there. I actually would probably take that more seriously than someone leaving a bad iTunes review because I feel like people that leave bad iTunes reviews just... 
It's like people with angry yelps that don't really need to leave an angry yelp. Anyway, uh, this is just your reminder to find the wine situation on Instagram or find me, Ellen Clifford, on Instagram because uh, I'm on there a lot and you'll get to see pictures of the people that I call and the wines I'm drinking and uh, leave a rating or a re review and hopefully, hopefully this is people are enjoying this like my fondest hope is that you're at home and you're like she's drinking rosé i'm gonna drink rosé and that you feel like you're drinking with me because i feel like you're my friends <sighs> okay your wine why recapping who ms toy or ms toi the sweet baby jesus example of the swine <clears throat> what hondurabi belza and hondurabi zeri from whence this wine is poured is great heights the where is Basque country in the north of Spain. And the why is because it's so hot outside. I mean, maybe it's not right now, but I'm saying like it, it's a perfect, like if it's warm, it is the perfect, crisp, refreshing, high acid, slightly effervescent, because um, I think they carbonate it a little sometimes. It's like the perfect summer refresher. Okay, you probably know it by now. It's Chocolie! Or Chocolina, which is spelled, maddeningly enough, T-X-A-K-O-L-I. Or T-X-A-K-O-L-I-N-A, if you're saying Chocolina. That is the name of the, the, the place and the wine that they make up in the Basque country with these, with these grapes. They do what they want there. It's kind of like Los Angeles. Maybe I should move there. So that name comes from the Arabic word chocolate, which means thinness, which is a good word, I feel like, to describe really high acid wines. Maybe next episode, I'll try and find a woman who makes chocolate and uh, we can taste it together. It, it tends to have a slight carbonation. It tends to have high acid. Uh, it's made frequently from Hondurabi Zuri, and that makes a white wine, but Hondurabi Belza makes a very light red wine, or in the case of the wine that I loved, that my darling, dear, I miss her so much, she moved to New Orleans, and I hope she's being safe, my dear friend Roxy called the Sweet Baby Jesus wine, that one mixed the two of them. Subregions include Gataria? Uh, Viz uh, Vizkaya, I'm butchering this, I'm sure, and Alava. I'm sorry, Bosque listeners. I know I have many of you. Your legion is strong, but I still don't know how to say your words yet. Or I'm trying, but I'm probably failing. And for that, I apologize. Please keep making your wine. It's delicious. Chuckly, that was your who, what, when, where, why wine of the week. Okay. I have now downed approximately a third of that wine bottle and it is time for a drunk dial. This one it was well I, I put it out there to to my friends, to my people that I needed people to call late at night and someone who came through was my friend Carrie Dykes. You might have heard me talk about her when I talked about the wine writers symposium. She is the one who picked me up at the airport and we shared a ride from uh, the San Francisco airport, airport to Napa together. 
she and I were kind of immediately, it was like, oh, you're going to be my bestie. <laughs> like, I love you. You're awesome. Uh, I love Carrie. And the thing is, Carrie lives in New York and Carrie has a kid. So she's a person with a, a busy life with a schedule she needs to adhere to that's three hours ahead of me. But we scheduled this call and uh, let's hear what Carrie's answers are to the final five. Welcome to the wine situation, drunk dial. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. Are you ready to get into the final five? I am ready. Yay. Okay, <laughs> question number one. It's so hard. What's you drinking these days? What are you into? Um, anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> um I, I kind of have been vacillating between, um, you know, kind of like cheap and cheerful, keep it easy, and, you know, diving into my reserves. Like, I think that this is the time where I do yeah. get some good stuff, you know? I totally hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, question number two. What's the best pairing you've ever had? And we've had answers, anything from, like, cigars and burgundy to scotch mm-hmm. and a banana so it can be any kind of food food and beverage pairing Ooh, scotch or, and a or, banana yeah scotch and a banana was someone's answer once that's really interesting okay um hmm. i mean classic pairings are classic i know that we've had champagne and potato chips together and that's oh, you know yeah. it's never gonna fail um i don't know i I was just in the Loire Valley and I was drinking um, some Sauvignon Blanc and Chenin Blanc from there with their local goat cheese, and that was uh, pretty perfect. That sounds great. Yeah, um, that, was, that was a good pairing. Cool. Okay, question number three. Uh, name three. Carrie is based in Hudson Valley, for, for, for you guys that don't know that. Um, that's where she, she writes about wine from. Um, I mean, you write about wines from other places, but that's where you're. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are your What are your top three New York wineries you'd like to recommend? Ooh. Um, so I love Wild Dark, which they're in the Hudson Valley, and they're a very small, family-owned, biodynamic farm and winery, and um, they just make really cool stuff, and they're lovely people, and um, you know. Piquette got really big, and they were one of the pioneers of that, along with Old Westminster in Maryland. Um, but yeah, definitely them. Um, let's see. I mean, Lieb in Long Island are—they're just classically good, and they were kind of ahead of the game as far as um, putting wine into cans and. Um, like on tap and stuff like that. They make cool. some good stuff. What else? Um, up in the finger. I love Finger Lakes wine. Um, Heart and Hands is one of my favorites. We visited there like ten years ago, and it was awesome. Um, nice. They are organic. Maybe biodynamic. I'm not really sure. Um, but delicious Pinot and just. Super, you know, small scale and delicious wines. Nice. 
I want to try all of them. I think I have had a piquette before, but I don't remember if it was Wild Arc, but it was at the Raw Wine Fair. Hmm. Possibly, because I think they were there, but, you know, who knows? Um, Okay, question number four. Uh, What's your fondest memory from the Wine Writers Symposium? It can be something we drank or ate or one of the things, seminars we had. Uh, Oh, I don't know. There's so many things that... um, you know, the whole time there was so nice. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't know. Hmm, that's tough. Okay, there are a lot of good times. <laughs> um, but some things that kind of stick out, I loved Ali Buzari's whole class. That was. Oh, my God. That was probably my favorite. <laughs> amazing. Just, I talk about it to this day. Um, yeah. Just the science behind everything and, you know, the science of why you smell and taste certain things in wine. It's not just a hoax or, you know, yeah. it's, you know, there are reasons behind everything and the same thing with food. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, but I also just liked drinking rosé with you and sunglasses. <laughs> that was a terrific. I love. I still sometimes look at that picture and I'm like, oh, that was such a fun day. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, and just driving with you and Nola and getting oh, to know each other too. <laughs> oh my San god, Francisco I know. Napa. It's like I was like, oh, we were meant to be friends. Yay. <laughs> Um, cool. Okay, question number five, and it's the traditional question we've been asking our guests since before there was, I, I say we as though my former co-host is still here, but the royal we now, um, <laughs> have been asking since the beginning of the podcast, is this, what's, what's bringing you some joy? Oh, um, well, it's hard to find these days, <laughs> um, but I would say Tiger King. Tiger King. I haven't. Everyone's talking about it. I need to. What, what is what is Tiger King? It is literally the only thing that is almost as crazy as what we're dealing with in the world. So okay, it has kept rapt attention for me. Um, I will have to start watching it. Yes. So it's when I finish Picard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's um. A Netflix series about um, just the the big cat world, people who, oh. you know, breed and, you know, show big cats. And they are, each one is crazier than the next. And Oh, wow. So it's a story about that, but there's also murder. Oh, okay. I'm <laughs> going to have to watch this. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but other than that, um, I guess, I would say family, of course. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Tiger Tiger King and family. (laughs) Very cool. Well, that's it for the final five, and we can can keep chatting after. But do you want to tell people where they can uh, look for, like, look for your writing, say hi to you on on the Internet? Uh, Where can people find you if if they want to check out your... Well, oops, technical difficulty. Um, I accidentally cut Carrie off too quick. Uh, but you can find her on Instagram at Lil Marzipan, L-I-L Marzipan. And I will look forward to chatting with you guys next week. Hang in there, everybody. Cheers. Glass. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with that I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minute I just drink wine. 
and a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.